Awesome. Well, our guest speaker today is a, is a very, very close friend of mine and uh, with his lovely wife, Andreen. Actually, I'm going to get Andreen to stand because we won't see you, but could you stand for us? This is the, definitely the better half and give her a big hand. So John and Andreen, uh, they are from the UK and uh, John is the national leader of the AOG in the UK. I'm not sure if you understand the full implications of that, uh, the role that he has, an incredibly responsible role. Uh, he, he oversees and leads over 600 churches in the UK. How many of you know that's a huge task? I mean, I lead one church and I think, boy, it is a big, massive job. He has the responsibility of over 600 and uh, does an amazing job. Seven years ago, he took that role. Uh, the AAG churches in the UK were declining and uh, they were actually you know, at a crossroads. They could have actually lost the movement, but, um, you know, through the grace of God, and I say that because I know about the grace of God, believe me, anybody that leads has to lead with the grace of God. But with the grace of God, uh, John and his team have been able to shift uh, that movement into now a very, very influential and not declining, but a movement that's on the rise. Isn't that fantastic? And that's the spirit of the man. Uh, he has a pioneer spirit. He himself has planted nine churches, which just to plant one is quite an ability. Uh, his ability to gather and raise up leaders has brought much fruit to the kingdom. Uh, he's authored four books. Uh, John loves the Liverpool Football Club even though he knows that the Manchester United is a much, much better football club. That's all I'm going to say. The great thing about John, he's very personable. Uh, he's not the sort of person you can't approach. It's one of the things that I love about him. He doesn't let his title get in the way. He's a family man. He has three great children. How many of you remember Aaron Partington who preached here, that wild guy? This is his father. You know, He's the one to blame for that. Uh, he's Like I said, he's been married for 43 years, three adult children, six grandchildren. Why don't you give him a really, really big warm welcome as he comes today. And shares the word with us. Thank you, Nick. Good morning, everyone. Oh, come on, make me feel at home. I said good morning. It really is great to be here in Melbourne. We lived for three years in Adelaide, and uh, I've been over 50 times now, back and forth from the UK to Australia. It's a great, great country here. Hope you appreciate your country. And I hope you appreciate what you do. Nick, thank you for that introduction. With an introduction like that, I can hardly wait to hear myself this morning. I mean, nobody's ever introduced me quite like that before. Uh, but you have a, a wonderful senior pastor and his wife and doing a tremendous job here. It really is a great thrill to us. Do you know, I, I'm very excited about this morning, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, in some senses... Uh, things cannot help but get even better than what they have been, not because of me, but because of who he is. And uh, it says that his word never returns to him void. But apart from that, let me tell you, there are over two and a half thousand people that are praying for us uh, at this service today. Um, I've got a, a little Twitter account. Um, if any of you ever want to follow me on that, it's just a place whereby I can put out where I'm speaking at a weekend. And the only thing that I ask is that anybody that follows me, when they read the place that I am, to send a prayer up to heaven. And so I know that there's a, a well over 2,000, probably nearer 3,000 people that are praying and have been praying for this weekend. And so that's pretty thrilling, isn't it? And then also with uh, the very songs that have been sung today, I am resting confidently in the fact that God is going to do something exceptional because everything has tied in, everything has kind of knitted together. And you, when, you, when you're going to minister somewhere, you look for those little signs. You look for those little indications of, you know, what God is saying and what God is wanting to do. And so I, I, I was absolutely thrilled when I was listening to that song, I'd never heard it. Hungry souls, uh, they receive grace. Why? Uh, because there's a name, a great name, at the sound of your great name, the fatherless. They find uh, their faith, is it find their, they find their rest. And the sick are healed and the dead are raised. Why? At the sound of 
his great name. It says, oh, I was trying to scribble it down quickly. All the weak find their strength. The enemy has to leave. Every fear has no place. All the world will praise your great name. We're in the presence of someone that is great. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter where you go. I, I'm privileged. I've had the opportunity to preach on every continent. Uh, I've preached in small churches, big churches, black churches, white churches, yellow churches, and those that aren't feeling too well. I went to a church once. They all seem to have green faces. But um, wherever you go, you meet brothers and sisters in Christ. And where the name is preached, where Jesus is present, then anything at all can happen. So thank you for the privilege. It really is marvelous to be here. As Nick has rightly said, we've been married 43 years. And uh, next week, it's my wife's birthday. Next a week, is it a week today? No, a week on Saturday, less than that. It's her birthday. How do I know that? It's my birthday as well. We've got the same birthday. How many of you know that's a blessing and also a curse? One year I forgot and well, that was nearly divorced that year. How you can forget your wife's birthday when it's on the same. But the, the real thrill, and I only realized this when I was lying in bed in Adelaide just last week. We've got a daughter there and a couple of grandkids that are still in Adelaide. And uh, I only realized when I was lying there that actually next Friday for me is an absolute milestone. It's an absolutely wonderful day. You say, yes, because it's Good Friday. Well, that's great. But next Friday, I will have been saved for 50 years. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. I'm here to testify that it's worth serving the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus said that he'd come to give us life and life more abundant, that's what he gives us. I mean, you're all thinking he can't possibly have been married for 43 years. Did he get married when he was eight? No, I didn't. I was older than that. You're thinking it's possible that he's got six grandchildren, but I have. Why? Because the life that God gives us is a life that keeps us young and praising him. And so I'm kind of excited about this week, two birthdays and... uh, and also the whole thought of um, having been converted for 50 years is, is, a, is a great thrill. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you are ready for the Word of God? I, I, I've been told, I, I mean, I know that Nick would kind of boast about this, but he said that this is the most intelligent congregation in Melbourne. Is that right? Those of you that follow Liverpool Football Club, that's certainly true. But anybody else that follows any... There's no, nobody else that follows Manchester United here, is there? You do. What's the matter with you, sir? You don't even know what football is, a lot of you, do you? you uh, got these big guys that run around and play Nancy games, you know. But football's a real man's game. Uh, so you, you, and you support... Do you support them, honestly? Does anybody else support that team? You! What have we come to here? Because I love Nick so much, I'm going to say something that I would never, ever say. That the greatest team in all the world is Man United. When man is united with God, that's the greatest team that you can possibly have. I've been told that you're the greatest and the most intelligent uh, congregation in Melbourne. And we're about to find out. Can we put up the scriptures, please? We're going to read it on the screen here. We're looking into the book of Psalms. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, The book of Psalm 91 and the last couple of verses. uh, It says this, because he holds fast to me in love. Read out the next bit. Say it louder than that. Let's try again. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him and I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will. will. Just go for the I will bit, all right? I will answer him. And? Brilliant. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. Satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's find out if you are intelligent. What do you think the key little two words are in that psalm? Brilliant. Absolutely intelligent. Hold that for a moment as we turn. And don't put up necessarily this scripture. We'll put it up in a moment. But in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1, it says, The Lord God appeared to Abraham and revealed himself and said, No, he didn't. (laughs) You failed the test. Put it up, please. (laughs) 
And when Abraham was 99 years of age, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am, I am, I am, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. I want to share a few thoughts with you this morning about when the I am speaks the I will. When the I am speaks the I will. Actually, when Abraham was 99 years of age, he appeared unto Abraham and he said, I am El Shaddai. I I am the God that is all bountiful. I am the God that is actually, to put it in modern day language, more than enough for your every situation. That's what he was saying to Abraham. I am more than enough. In fact, right throughout the whole Bible, the name of God, because this was another name of God, I am, he is revealed as the one that is more than enough to meet every person's need. Can you, can you imagine the scene? Come with me and we'll see Moses. Moses has declared, let my people go. And he led the children of Israel out and everybody's happy with him until they come to an impossible situation. It was the Red Sea. They couldn't go forward because of the sea. They couldn't turn to the left or the right because of the mountainous area. And they couldn't go back because the Egyptians were chasing them. Ah, but there was somebody else that was there with Moses. It was El Shaddai. It was the all bountiful God. It was the God that was more than enough for the situation. Lift up your rod. And he lifted it up and it says the walls parted and the waters became congealed. I don't know. It's just my interpretation. But what is congealed water? It's ice. And I kind of think that God blew with his breath and parted the waters and there were pillars of ice either side as the children of Israel walked across on dry land. And then when they were all safely over, he blew again. The ice melted and the enemy were defeated and drowned. I am was present with Moses, the God that was El Shaddai more than enough. What about when Daniel was in the lion's den? Oh, I'm telling you, these lions, they've got teeth, and those teeth were ready to bite into some meat. They didn't put people in a den just to be sitting there. They put them there so they could watch them be eaten by the lions. Oh, you're in a mess here, Daniel. Yes, but you have to understand somebody else was in the den with him. It was El Shaddai. It was the I am that revealed himself to Abraham. It was the God that was more than enough. The mouths of the lions, they were muzzled. And of course, Daniel was saved. It seems that wherever we go, we see this I am in operation. One day, a little boy strides into a valley and says, don't worry, you're all scared to fight that big giant there because he's too big to fight. But I reckon he's too big to miss. Let me have a go at him. Here's an interesting little thing. Did you know that Goliath was a stone heavier once he was dead than when he was alive? See, something entered his head that day that had never entered it before as a a stone was slung. And the giant fell down and it was a great victory for David and for the children of Israel and for the God of our salvation. Why? Because I am was there with him. The El Shaddai. You turn over the pages and you come into the New Testament. The disciples come and they say, oh Lord, we're in a mess. There's so many people here, let's send them away. I'm talking about the miracle of the feeding of the 20,000. He said, John, you've got it wrong. It's the feeding of the 5,000. I don't think so. I don't read that anywhere. It it says that there were 5,000 men besides the women and children. And if most of the men had a wife and most of them had an average of a couple of kids, there could have been 15,000, 20,000 people on that hillside. They come and they say, look, look, we're in a mess. And Jesus says, hey, don't, don't, don't worry about a thing here. As a little boy steps forward, he brings his loaves and fishes. And that sun-blessed bread became the wonder loaf. And he became his mother's pride. You don't have that, you don't have that bread here, I forgot. But, but in England, we have wonder loaf and mother's pride. Forget it, it's gone over your heads. The truth of the matter is, I am was there. El Shaddai was there. The Almighty God was there. And the bread was broken. And of course, baskets of food were taken up afterwards. (laughs) Uh, This time, though, it's gone too far. This time, it's too much, Lord Jesus. You've let us down. For now, our brother is dead. But hang on a minute. 
Jesus, he uses the phrase. Don't you realize, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Lazarus, come forth. I'm so glad he said, Lazarus, come forth. If he hadn't have said, Lazarus, come forth, if he just said, come, everybody would have jumped out the jolly grave. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. Oh, and that resurrection life came into Lazarus and in his grave clothes he came jumping out because Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. The I am, the almighty God, the God that is all bountiful, the God that is more than enough to meet every need. Hallelujah. And the great news is this. It's in the present tense, that name of God. Uh, It doesn't say... Uh, I was almighty God, although he was. It doesn't say, I will be the almighty God, although he will. It says, I am El Shaddai. And that I am is the God that is here this morning. But where two or three people are gathered together in my name, I am there in the middle. The the God of Abraham and of Daniel and the little boy with the loaves and fishes. The God of Lazarus. He's the God, the I am, that is right here with us. I'm trying to paint a picture for you in words. It's the greatness of this God in whose presence that we met. And so he comes to this man, 99 years of age, and he says, Listen, I'm going to give you a promise, Abraham. You haven't had any children but you're going to have kids. And those kids are going to have kids, and it's going to be so numerous that it's going to be more than the stars of the sky. That's impossible. A 99-year-old man. Have you ever tried to count the stars in the sky? I remember before I went out with Andrea, I had a, had a girlfriend, and we went walking one night. All we did was hold hands. And it was one of these nights where there were loads of shooting stars. And we began to count the shooting stars and the star. One, two, three, four. Mm, we missed one. It's an impossibility to do it. Go out on a cloudless night. Abraham, you're going to have kids. 99? Oh, no, actually, they're, they're going to be more than the dust of the air. Have you ever seen a ray of light with the little speckles of dust in? Have you ever tried to count them? It's impossible. But God says that's going to be your seed. Uh, in fact, not even that. On a third occasion, he gives the illustration that it's going to be more than the sand of the beach. Huh. Tried to count a hand full of sand. It's so, so difficult. Hmm. So he goes to his wife. She was getting on a bit. They haven't got any kids. I want to tell you something. Andrew has been sitting on the front row. It's our birthdays next week. We'll be soon hitting our 50s, and so we're getting on a little bit. Imagine if I went to her at the end of this and say, actually, I was sitting next to Nick in the meeting and God spoke to me, sweetheart. Guess what? We're going to have some more kids. I know what she would do. And I'd have to run pretty quick. (laughs) She would laugh. Well, I don't know whether she would laugh, to be honest. She'd chase me around the room and she got out, you silly, stupid old man, you. Uh, sweetheart, Sarah, God's spoken to me and we're going to have seed. The seed is going to be so great, it's more than the stars of the sky, the dust of the earth, the dust of the air, sorry, and the sand upon the shore. And she laughed. <laughs> and yet today, in the north and in the south and in the east and the west, across this great world of ours, on every continent and every land, there is the seed of Abraham. I'll tell you why. Because when the I am says something, it must come to pass. You see, we we don't understand this, that when God makes a promise of I will do something, it's impossible for it not to be fulfilled. And I'll tell you why, because in our English language, 
we don't interpret the Bible quite correctly to carry the weight of what it was originally written in. Originally it was written in Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek in the New Testament. And there is no kind of equivalent for the word that is used in Hebrew and in Greek for I will do something. I will in our language is the strongest thing that we can possibly say. It means I will do something. So what's your name on the front row there? Nathan, Nathan, I will come down these stairs and shake your hand. Now, when I say that, it means I will do it. And so I come down and there's nothing more certain than me coming and shaking Nathan's hand. I will do it. How good an actor are you, by the way, Nathan? How good at acting? You're a good actor. We're about to find out. Because I'm going to say the same thing again, but this time I want you to put your hands behind your back and refuse to shake them. You see, I'm standing here and I'm going to make a statement before all of these people that I will come down off the platform and shake Nathan's hand. I will do it. Uh, (laughs) Suddenly something has happened. Something outside of myself has made it impossible for me to fulfill the promise of what I've made. Mm. Uh, Of course, something else could happen. Nathan might be willing to shake my hand, and I could be here, and I could say, Nathan, I'm going to come down, and I will shake your hand. And I could have a heart attack and die. So it's possible for me to make an I will promise, and something outside of myself to stop it, or even through the limitations of myself, to not allow it to be fulfilled. Hmm. But when the I am, when El Shaddai, when the almighty God says, I will do something, there is nothing outside of his self, nothing outside of his bounds. There is nothing within him or outside of him that can stop that word being fulfilled. He is the great eternal. Come on, will somebody get excited? I'm talking about an all bountiful prayer answering God. Hallelujah. I am. When he says I am, And reveals himself as I am. And then speaks the I will. It's certain to happen. And earlier on we read from Psalm 91. There were actually there seven promises. Seven is the number of completion, perfection. We haven't got time for that. I'm just going to throw a couple away. And then I'm going to pray. Let me take three of the I wills. Let me take three of the I wills of Psalm 91. And, And God says this. I will deliver him great news folk this morning he is a delivering God he sets people gloriously free and whom the sun sets free we know is free indeed Isaiah prophesied it the disciples they practiced it in the book of Acts we read about it that Jesus Christ is able to set people gloriously free and you say but John Are you talking about set free from demons and demonic power? No. He can do that. But I'm talking about the fact that a lot of Christians still need deliverance. Some people, they can be all their lives and yet not fully enter into the liberty and the freedom that God has for them. Perhaps perhaps some sinful habit. And you know right now, you think, well, I've, I've really wanted to stop that. I've really wanted to not go there. I want to, and, and there's something there that's holding you back. And you might have prayed about it and everything like that. But actually what you need, you need the I am this morning to say, I will deliver you. He's a delivering God. Uh, perhaps it's not just a simple habit. Perhaps it's an unhappy memory. Perhaps in the past something has happened. And every now and again the devil reminds you of your past. Good news today. When he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. See, I've read the end of the book. We win. (laughs) Better than that, we've already won. Christ has paid the price for us to live a life of overcoming and a life of victory. He's a delivering God. Delivers us of sinful habits. Delivers us of those unhappy memories. Not that we forget but we're able to take them to the cross and just leave them there, knowing that they're dealt with. Perhaps it is that today you've got some worrying problem that nobody else knows about. Talking to the guys yesterday, what a tremendous 
morning. I was so appreciative of being there with the guys yesterday morning. But you know, we really don't know what's going on in the heart of the person next to us. We sit here, we clap our hands, and we, I've just so appreciated the service today. Just For me, it's been wonderful. But we don't know what's going on. <laughs> Some of you could be worrying. Some of you could have those impossible situations that nobody else really knows about. Hey, he's a delivering God. He says, oh, I will deliver you. He's able to take you out of that impossible situation, as he did with the guys that we've mentioned already in the Bible. Oh, he's that kind of a God. I will deliver him. Another one is, I will answer him if he calls on my name. He's not only a delivering God, he's a prayer-answering God. Uh, can the testimony of millions over the countless ages be wrong? God has always been a prayer-answering God. In Jeremiah 33, in verse 3, it says, Call to me, and I will. Oh, there it is. I will answer you when you pray and show you mighty things of which you don't know. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 24, it says, Therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you'll receive them, and you shall have them. John chapter 16 and verse 23, Whatsoever things you shall ask in the Father's name, I will give it to you. Actually, even that's not strong enough in the English. The real interpretation is, if I don't have it, I will create it for you because he's a creator God. I'm trying to paint a picture for you this morning of a great God so great that words cannot possibly do him justice. And when he makes a promise of, I will do something, it's just got to happen because when he says, I will answer those that call upon me, I will be a prayer answering God, he means what he says. I don't like everybody in church. Do you? I mean, I've got to be honest. No point in messing around here. Some people in church, they just make me... You're looking at me going out. When we, when we pastored a church in our hometown of Bedworth, which is a little mining community on the outskirts of Coventry, and it, it, it was where I was brought up, and people said, John, don't, don't try and... Don't try and pastor a work there. A prophet is without honor, saving his own country. I said, that's all right. I'm not a prophet. Went in and we pastored a church. But there was a lady there. I didn't like her. I'm the pastor, but I didn't like her. She, did. <laughs> Do you have, she was a moaning old battle axe. Do you have that kind of phrase here? She was an elderly lady. I'm not given to exaggeration. I think she was about... 162. But everything I did, she moaned about. I was the young pastor, 22 years of age, 23. At the end of the meeting, she called, Pastor, Pastor. She always did it repeated. Pastor, Pastor. Pastor, Pastor, you were too long today. Oh, sorry, Isabel. Next week, Pastor, Pastor, you were too slow. Pastor, Pastor, you didn't use enough scriptures. Pastor, Pastor, the music. But you can't do that as a pastor. Oh, bless you, my child. I didn't, I didn't like that woman. I, I'll be totally honest. When I saw her in the, in the little village coming towards me, I'd dart in and try and get a skate. She had eyes in the back of her head, that old lady did. Pastor, Pastor, I saw you. Come here. One day she came to me and she said, Pastor, Pastor. She had a newspaper in her hand. She said, last Thursday I was walking up the street. It was about seven o'clock at night. It was just turning dusk, just turning dark. The wind was blowing through the trees. I thought, yes. Ow! Full moon job. I thought, oh. she said, She said, and uh, I became aware that somebody was following me. That was a miracle because nobody would have followed Isabel. She said, so I quickened my pace. <laughs> and I could tell it was a man. Now we've got a double miracle. Somebody's following it. It's a bloke. <laughs> and he quickened his pace as well. And then I realized that he was just behind me. And as I turned around, I could see he was about to jump on me. Miracle number three. 
so I prayed. That's what she told me. Now, at this point, you have to understand something, folk. Isabel did not have the opportunity to pray a long prayer. She did not turn around and go, Oh, dear, gracious, heavenly, loving Father, right now I'm in a little bit of a mess because this big, ugly man is about to jump on me. She didn't have time for that. Do you know what she did? In the name of Jesus. That's all she did. What happened? He took one look at me and ran away. Even the devil would have ran away. She took the paper from under her arm. She said, look at this, Pastor, Pastor. There was an article in. Half an hour later, in the road that ran parallel with the one where she was, an elderly lady was attacked, knocked to the ground, and a handbag was stolen. See, what I didn't tell you about Isabel is this. She knew how to pray. Now, let's just get this clear. I need to say this before we begin to kind of wrap it all up, but there's nothing magical about the name of Jesus. Wait, hold on to your seats and don't criticize me for this. But Jesus got saved under my ministry some years ago. It's a wonderful, wonderful moment. I was in Portugal. And loads of people came to the front. And I was going along the road. Hello, hello, who are you? Manuel, who are you? Wang Chong, who are you? Ping Pong, who are you? Oh, there were some Chinese there. So I shook this hand and I says, hello, who are you? They said, Jesus. I said, no, 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 sorry. You don't understand. What's your name? Jesus. No. He's the one that has saved you. Trying to do it through an interpreter. Tell this thick person, he is the one that saved you. What is your name? Jesus. Jesus got saved under my ministry. <laughs> See, in Brazil and in Portugal, there are hundreds of thousands of Jesuses running around today. And us Christians, very often we think, all we've got to do is say, in the name of Jesus. It's ridiculous. What it is, Isabel knew the person and the power of that name that is above every name. It wasn't some magical formula. She was calling out to her Lord and her Savior who had saved her and filled her with the Holy Spirit and given her a revelation of the I am, the El Shaddai. Oh, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> he answers prayer. The end of the story is this. I fell in love with Isabel. See, sometimes the people that you don't like in church are the very people that God has put there to help you. All the people you don't like here, they could end up being your best friends. It happened with me and you. No, it's a joke. Show, it's a joke. It's absolutely a fact. See, Isabel was an elderly lady who had learned how to pray. And she lived quite close to us. And once every... What would it be every month, every, every, certainly once every six, seven weeks, I would go and sit down and have a coffee or a cup of tea with Isabel. And she taught me something about the power of prayer. Taught me something about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful that the Lord put Isabel in my life. And I'm now praying that in heaven, though, he doesn't put me next to her in the mansion. <laughs> but that's another story. That's another story. <laughs> sometimes God's delays are not his denials call upon him right now and you know what happens the I am says I will answer you we're in the place of faith we're in the place where the I am is wanting to speak and I will answer you for some of you here healing is a reality for those whose faith is placed and you call upon him last little one is that I will satisfy him I like that how many of you, no, I won't try, well, I will, I'll try and do an impersonation, but it isn't a very good impersonation. I can't get no, who was it? Mick Jagger, she was brilliant, boring and brilliant, Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger. <laughs> well, you got it right, you got it right. Big lips, 
A prophetic word. It was a pathetic word. Anyway, yeah, Mick Jagger, they, they, they had a great song about I can't get no satisfaction. I, uh, I spent a few days here now in Melbourne, and as I've looked around, been around the shops, I, I heard some young people singing it. I heard some older people singing it. In fact, the truth of the matter is this, that they might not be using those words, but every person that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, they're singing Mick Jagger's song. I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> the empty void within begins to cry out, no job, no love, no money, no hope, no satisfaction. So what happens is that the devil, he willingly provides a counterfeit attraction, perhaps drugs, the pill, to be taken the injection in the arm, the booze, the escapism, the fame, the fortune, the status, the designer goods, the bigger houses, the faster cars, the sex with multiple partners. And yet, what happens? Still, the song is sung. I can't get no satisfaction. There are even Christians, and there's some here today. And you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, but the fact is there's still something of a discontentment, not fully, totally satisfied. Can I just tell you this, that it's actually been a lifelong problem. Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, writes, he's tried it all, he's had it all, and yet where is the meaning of life? There's no profit, there's no purpose, there's no progress, there's no pleasure that ends up bringing full and real satisfaction. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. <laughs> the living know they'll die, and the dead they know nothing. So what's the conclusion of the matter? <laughs> Let's hear the conclusion. For fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. The truth is, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's all about him. Real satisfaction comes from a recognition that we actually become totally satisfied when we abandon ourselves over to the I am, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. And this morning, the beautiful thing is, the I am speaks his I will and says, have you got some discontent? Have you got some dissatisfaction there? Then call to me, I'll deliver you, and I will satisfy you. I'm going I'm to draw it to a close. And as I do so, I wanted to tell you this, Nick, that I wanted to bring somebody with me today. I, uh, I wanted to invite a friend of mine along, Prince Charles. Wouldn't that have been marvelous if I could have been here and say, okay, Prince Charles, come on in. <laughs> that would have been quite a treat, really. Uh, Prince Charles is actually the heir apparent to the crown in the UK. And he's got many, many titles. He's called His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales. He's the Duke of Cornwall. He's the Knight of the Garter. He's the Colonel-in-Chief of the Royal Regiment of Wales. He's the Duke of Rothensee, the Knight of the Thistle, the Commander of the Royal Navy. He's the Great Master of the Order of Bath. He's the Earl of Chester, the Earl of Carrick, the Baron of Renfrew. He's the Lord of the Isles and he's the Great Steward of Scotland. And if he was to be with me here, standing on the platform, we would address him by his title, Your Royal Highness. What a title. My question is this, though. I, I wonder by which title William and Harry use when they approach him. I'll tell you what they say. Father... Dad. Because to them, that's who he is. They've been brought into the world through his blood, if you like, and his lineage. And I tried to paint a picture for you about an I am, the great God, the creator, the one that is so big and so marvelous. Why, the heaven of heavens can't contain him. So how do we approach such a person, such a great God today? Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, this morning, yes, we're in the presence of El Shaddai, the all-bountiful, all-sufficient God, the one that is more than enough to meet our every need. But he's my Father because of grace. For many of you here, that's how you approach him. Father in heaven. <laughs> and as we come to him, we say, Father, will you, will you speak a promise into my life this morning? Will you utter an I will? Because if you utter an I will into my life this morning, nothing outside of you or within you can stop it being fulfilled. And this is what the Father says through his servant, the preacher. I will deliver you. I will answer you if you will call on my name. And I will satisfy you. <laughs> when the I am speaks the I will, miracles have got to take place. Bow your heads in a word of prayer, please. Sense the presence of God. What a privilege it would be to pray for two groups of people this morning. So I'll be quick, but this is the first, if you like, group of people that I want to pray for. Those of you that are here, and you say, John, I, I really would like to know this I am. I want to know God personally. I'm not asking about if you go to church, if you read your Bible, if you pray. Do you know him as Lord and Savior? And if you was to die today, would you go to heaven? You say, well, I'm not sure. Then you can be sure because he's going to answer your prayer. Call upon me and you will be saved. There's no shame in this at all. In fact, it's the most marvelous thing that can happen. It happened to me 50 years ago on Friday when the I am said, I will answer you. Who this morning says, John, would you pray for me, please? Because I want to be certain of my salvation. I want to be certain that I'm going to heaven. I want to give my life to Christ to the best of my ability. Pray for me. Put your hand up right now, will you please? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Is there a third? Two men giving their lives to Christ. Is there anyone else? Last time Vaskin, I don't want you to miss it. Instantaneously, two guys said yes to the Lord. Thank you, my love. God bless you. Is there a fourth? Two guys and a lovely girl. I'm going to count to three, and that's the end of this appeal as far as that bit goes. Please, if there's a battle going on, just say, pray for me, John. I want to make sure. Put your hand up right now. I'm beginning to count. One, two, three. Then for you three, I pray this prayer. Father, may the reality of your love and salvation be granted. Through the ministry of this church or through the ministry of friends, may those that raise their hands today be brought into a full knowledge and understanding of who you are, the eternal I am, and the one that says, I will answer you and save you and give you an assurance of your sins forgiven. Those that did put their hands up, those three, will you make sure you shake my hand? Normally I, I point you in a different direction and say, go and see somebody else in the church. I'll probably do that. But I want you three, you two guys and you, you lovely young lady, shake my hand. I want to say hello to you at the end of the service. And now we come towards the end. Has God spoken to you? Have the prayers of those two and a half, three thousand people been answered? Is there some here who will say, John, I want the I am to speak and I will into my life. I want this word sealed in my heart and life. Perhaps you want deliverance. Perhaps you want a prayer answered. Perhaps you want full satisfaction. I don't know. But if God's spoken something, stand to your feet before I've start, stopped counting to five. Stand to your feet right now all over this place. One. That's right. Dozens and dozens of you. Two. Dozens of you. Three. 
That's right. Four. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss it. Stand to your feet if you want me to seal this word in your heart and life. There's others that are standing. I'm going to say it. Here we go. Don't miss it. Oh, kikapara sabrabu. Five. I don't mean to embarrass anybody at all by this, but I want those of you that are standing to come and stand with me down the front here so I can pray a prayer over you. Quickly come down. There's dozens and dozens of you, so you're not going to be embarrassed. Come and stand right near the front, will you please? That's right. God is here. God is here. That's right. Quickly, quickly, come. If you didn't stand, you're too late now. Please don't come. There is a moment you should do it. Thank you, my love. God bless you. I don't know you, but I do know that you do a, a lot of work in a kitchen. But there's something more for you, John. I mean, yeah, you do that great. Your hospitality gift is great. But there's something, something more as well. Not to take that away, but there's something extra. Different dimension. It's a new day. You're going to move into something fresh in God. He sees the cry of your heart. Uh, you know what? I don't even think you've begun... To understand the call that's on your life. It's deeper, it's richer, it's bigger, it's greater, it's far more. Dream a big dream. Dream the big dream. Father, I thank you for every one of my brothers and sisters out of the front here. And now, Father God, the eternal I am, creator of the universe, confirm your word. Speak your I will, I pray. Send your word and heal. Let pain go. Pain that is physical and pain that is emotional. Pain that is in the bones and in the joints and pains that is in the mind. Go, Father, speak your I will in Jesus' name. Satisfy through and through. And do a work of the Spirit that only you can do, I pray, Father. For you are the all-bountiful God. go that's just speaking in tongues it's a gift from God let it go oh Jesus proud of your belly shall flow rivers of living water Jesus wept Jesus wept release I pray presence of God is here and I don't want to just uh, move on because I, I really sense God's presence here. I just wonder if everybody just could be standing just for a moment. There's something deeper happening. Nicholas, could you just, this is guy in front of you, just God's just doing something in his life and just right now, Nicholas, just just really just lay your hands on him. Come on, just everybody praying. This is not spectators. We're not here to spectate. God is doing something that we sometimes don't understand, something deeper as his word begins to just 
begins to search our hearts and release faith and release the shackles. And I want every every person that, you, you know, sometimes I say you feel comfortable, but I really sense today, come on, everybody, just lift your hands towards heaven and let the Spirit of God and just begin to move in this place. Just begin to worship Him. Something happens when you worship. Something happens. Your soul, your spirit, your mind begins to be lifted. The Spirit of God begins to move in a way that that maybe you don't even understand, but the Spirit of God is moving in this place today, doing something deeper that even you understand. That seed of His Word is releasing faith, is releasing hope, is releasing a promise that maybe you have not even realized. But today, the Spirit of God is here to deliver you, to answer your call, to bring satisfaction in your heart where there's been a desert where there has been a desert. Come on. I just I just sense we need to just press in a little bit longer. Some of you, your heart's been so dry. It's been like a desert. And you know what? Nothing seems to satisfy. But I just sense the presence of God. I sense His Spirit begin to move through those wastelands, those areas that have been dry. And the Spirit of God is bringing water, fresh water, fresh water, fresh water. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Marie, just come up here for me. Very quickly, just grab one of these microphones and we're just going to begin to praise and just worship in just a moment. Come on, just press in today. I just want you, just whatever, just you feel to sing, just let the Spirit of God move today in this place. Holy Spirit, we give you praise. Come on, lift your hands to the great I am. The great I am. The great I am. Some of you haven't lifted your hands and your heart for a long time. But Holy Spirit, come, come and move, come and move, come and soak people. I just sense His presence just coming and lifting and shifting. Things are shifting. Things are shifting. Things are beginning to shift in your mind and in your spirit today. Oh. 